Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Shechtman. Look at any book of quotations, and the subject of power is one of the most discussed topics. Sometimes it seems everyone has an opinion on it. And why not? It's at the heart of all of our relationships, at home with family, kids, and spouses, and at work with our bosses and co-workers. Certainly the Me Too movement and racial politics have both provided fertile ground for both the understanding of and the exercise of power. It's one of the things that we most desire, and at the same time, we're afraid of it or put off by it. Our relationship to power begins when we are young. It's imprinted in us from grade school right on through high school, which is everyone's mosh pit of power dynamics. We're going to talk about power today with my guest, Cindy Suarez. She's a senior editor at Nonprofit Quarterly. She's worked as a strategy and innovation consultant with nonprofits, social movements, and government, and specializes in networks and platforms for social change. It is my pleasure to welcome Cindy Suarez here to talk about the Power Manual, how to master complex power dynamics. Cindy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. It's a great intro. Thank you. Great to have you here. How is power and the discussion of power different today than it might have been 30, 40 years ago? I mean, when, when Michael Corder wrote about power in the mid-70s, it's very different than, than the way we look at it today. Yes, that's very true. And I think, um, as with everything with humans, it gets more complex over time. And I think we're in a position now, in, in a time, I mean, all around, even within social movements, uh, you know, there's a lot of understanding that's evolved about intersectionality, and you know, it's just it's just been <laughs> where it used to be male, women, black, white. You know, power now power. There, there's so much now that overlaps, and you know, in some pl- in some ways, the structures and ways of thinking we have for the for for those dynamics are, 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 are they are basically are over overflow now with the actual realities. So that was actually the impetus for writing this book. It's interesting because in many ways, though, the dynamics have always been there, but there was no recognition of them for so long. Well, I wonder. I mean, I always, one of the things I always um, consider when I'm writing, especially at the nonprofit quarterly where we write daily, is uh, who are we writing for and to? Um, because I think there are many people for whom they actually have had to learn to master this in order to be successful in this country. Um, people that are uh, sort of lower positioned in, in terms of social status uh, do have to learn how to navigate complex power dynamics that are often at the same time unspoken but very real. Um, so I think there, it depends who we're talking about. It, you know, some people, for, for many people, this may be new. It may be something that's erupted um, out of nowhere. But for many people, it's just been what's been underground and now it's become more visible. Mm-hmm. And as it's become more visible, talk a little bit about the pressures that it has placed on people to really begin to understand these dynamics, to understand how it relates to them, and how really they, they can you know, function within this, this framework. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the really powerful um, testaments to, to the power of ideas. The fact that these ideas have developed, have created these sort of changes in what people expect. And I mean, I think one can say that part of the battle now in this country is who gets to define what's acceptable. So I think a lot of these changes, which ultimately changes in consciousness, are now really at a forefront. And I think there's a need to understand them even now more than ever um, when you're speaking across uh, value frameworks or, or power, you know, how you're positioned in terms of a dynamic. It's, it's really... I mean, as we see now, even what's considered facts um, is debatable. So 
it's it's a really yeah, part of it for me was that the complexity is so big now that there needs to be a really human, concrete way to talk, to interact, to be able to come to terms enough to have a conversation, to be able to live near each other. Uh, so I think that's what this book tries to do by getting to the essence of all these things, which are really just basic power dynamics around domination and subordination. Um, and there are many different types of power, but I focused on this because I found it to be the, mo- the most um, relevant for what's happening in my work and in the world. And I think that by bringing it down to the level of interactions and looking at the quality of those interactions and how we behave and really putting framework and language to what happens there. And I'm not the first to do it. Uh, There are other people that have done this in in different ways, Um, but really bringing that more out into the conversation that we're having in this country is necessary for people to be able to talk across difference. Um, so, So in the book, I really focus on these, you know, almost stripped of, the, the different ways it can show up to the actual underlying dynamic that can be enacted by anyone, including social change agents, which is actually um, one of the big, um, not revelations, maybe for a lot of people, for me it was one of the drivers of, of writing this book, the fact that I, I saw everyone basically using dominant power dynamics, even if they were trying to change a system of, of power, of domination. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really understanding that level of, of reality, interactions, and how power that happens there basically creates the world we live in, that all the other things around us, um, the institutions that we live and work in, um, are really artifacts of how we interact. It's interesting to think about whether the language about power that we're using today is shaping behavior or the degree to which behavior today is reshaping the language. Huh. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was just reading an article about that yesterday. And, you know, there's a lot of debate about what is happening in this country. And, you know, I kind of, I don't have a, an opinion on that. I, I do see both sides of that. I do see that the way that we language and perceive something shapes our behavior. Um, and I think that's what's happening now in, in this country. I mean, we could look at difference, which is at the essence of a lot of this. Um, as something that's not a bad thing. It, but if we look at it as something that is a bad thing, then all different types of things come with that. Um, so, yeah, language and at the core of that, what's really happening and how do we either mitigate that or exacerbate it? So I do think that. But I, I, I do think that our ideas, I guess if I were to you know, lean to one side more, I do think that our ideas and how we imagine and language our reality does shape our behavior. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's important, which is why when we get frameworks or when we get any language for something, it changes the way that we are in the world. So that's why they say kids that have a bigger vocabulary can create more fulfilling worlds. So having language for something really does allow us to live more nuanced into that aspect. And, and one can say that that's perhaps the biggest challenge of our time, mm-hmm. how to live in that nuance with people who are different from us, and how do we engage that? How do we create a world around that that accepts that or that negates that? So I think, in a sense, that's the battle we're in. 
To what extent are we always fighting this battle for kind of power expansion? I mean, we've always looked at power through, I think, a narrower lens until recently as all this consciousness that we're touching on has changed. And now we have things like liberatory power and, and, and other aspects of it that really changes the dynamic dramatically. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, um, so, so I juxtapose supremacist dominant power um, to liberatory power, and that actually is ancient. Um, it comes from the Vedic scriptures, um, and this idea that we all are born with power to create what we want. Um, we may have different sets of challenges, but how we approach those is, is, is a big factor. Um, so I, I, I think that it's always been there. Um, I think we're maybe bringing these languages to a different level. So I'm, with this book, I'm trying to bring that language and that kind of thinking, those frameworks into, out of sort of just the Vedic people who study spiritual, you know, sort of self-realization types of spiritual practices to actually like how do we bring that into the conversation that we're having day to day. So I, I do think that it's been there. I do think that it's now perhaps growing or becoming more, more nuanced. Um, and I, I, I think that what happens is that we get to per, perhaps answer that question that you posed at the beginning about the desire for power and our sort of um, aversion to it. And I think this, you know, with these two concepts, so, you know, the liberatory power is, is, is a power that allows us to create what we want, that allows us to expand our power for the good of ourselves and, and others. Um, so it, it really differentiates power. It distinguishes between these two types of power, the ability to dominate and the ability to create what you want. Um, and the whole book is based on, on, the, on that simple um, distinction. So I think that, you know, really understanding that, as, as people can see when, when they read it, it, it just, it's a whole world of difference. What and is, learning to choose, you know, which one you're going to pursue. Right. Why do you think that there is such fear of power sometimes? Well, I think it's the ultimate, you know... <laughs> Uh, I mean, we see what happens when when it's taken, and it's 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 very dangerous. It's powerful. It's dangerous. It can create. It can destroy. Um, so I think that's why um, there is so much angst ab- about it. Um, so I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know. I, I think that there's it's it's a full. Uh, field of study and we it just I, you know it's why I wrote the book I, I think that understand, understanding it makes one more clear about what, it, what one is doing around it um, it allows us to be honest with ourselves and with others and I think it allows us to be clean in how we seek that um, so I, I maybe I would say it's a, it's, it's a developmental stage we're in and the more we learn the more we can talk about this openly and honestly What's evolving with respect to new theories of how power operates? Well, you know, I've really seen a lot, which is why, why I wrote this book. I mean, I, I saw parts of it in many different fields and talking about it from different angles. Uh, and, I, and I cover at least 10 of those in my book. Um, so, you know, there's people talk about it now, for example, this is in development actually I could speak to, which is that in the last, I believe, 10 or so years with the development of new tools, this new field has opened up called neuroendocrinology. And what that does is allow um, researchers to study what happens to people in, a, in an interaction where there is a power dynamic. And so it allows people to understand what actually happens. And I, I, I go into that in, in, in the book. But what ultimately happens is that 
it's based on this understanding that we're, you know, we're humans and bodies, and our bodies actually have a lot for us to manage on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis, you know, from, you know, ultimately balancing feelings of joy with feelings of anxiety. So, like, seeing those two as extreme states that we, we seek joy and we try to mitigate uh, or get rid of, unload anxiety. So what they found in the, with the endocrinology studies is that in a dynamic, the person that's the most powerful gets to offload some of their anxiety onto the person who is positioned as subordinate in that interaction. And of course, this is a very dynamic situation where the person who's positioned that way may be resisting it. So there's all kind, they may be unaware um, and absorbing it. So there's all kinds of things that could be happening. But the essence is that the powerless or the subordinate person uploads the anxiety that the other person has. And they can actually see that in the hormones that travel between people and interactions, which are pheromones, um, smell hormones. And those smell hormones actually, when they travel in the air to another body, then start to have an effect on that body. So my, intera- my feelings and my way of interacting with you or of unloading some sort of energy or feelings I have about you actually gets picked up by this other you and uploaded if, if they're not careful and can direct their emotions and feelings in ways that they may be unconscious of. So there's a lot there, um, but that's, to me, the newest in, 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 the, in the field of power, the fact that it can now be traced biologically. How much of our relationship to power, our understanding of it, the way we approach it, has to do with imprinting at a young age, whether it's power dynamics that take place in the classroom or in high school or what have you. Yeah, so that's what I cover in, in, in my second section on choice and how we learn to, um, actually in the first section I start to talk about how we begin to have a relationship to power. And yes, it comes as part of our developmental stage and it comes with our ability around the age of between two and four to make demands on the world and have those demands met or engaged. Um, so to the extent that a child is in a family that, can, that they can interact with and be um, sort of on the other end received and engaged, that child learns that they can have an effect on the world. And that's our most sort of most basic um, sense of power. There are many children that don't have that. When they reach out for something, they, they get perhaps, not only do they not get that, but they may get punished. So children that grow up in those kind of environments easily grow up feeling that they don't, that they can't, that they don't have power, that they can't make um, demands on the world and have them met. Um, and then you see how that one like, gets structured socially so that certain people have more of that than others, which gets reinforced not only in families but in schools and in workspaces according to the positions we have and how much power we can exert. We can be in a lifetime where those, that ability to impact your world, to have choice in your world, gets reinforced in every part of your world, in every core part. And then it's easy to see why certain people, even if they have access to something that they, don't, that they previously did not have, don't act on it. And that's something that social change folks have, have learned, that sometimes when they see a community that has a challenge and they try to meet that challenge by providing access to it, that community doesn't necessarily just step up and take that access. You know? yeah. uh, it's a new thing for someone who may have spent decades not having the ability to engage um, in that way with their environment. So it's, 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 it's very um, imprint, imprinted at a young age and it's reinforced and it's, it, it takes a lot of attention and intention to change and to learn. But it is 
learnable. These skills are learnable. It's one of the things I learned in my research. We can actually expand our power and our ability to create the world we want by understanding what are the major ways of doing that and then practicing. So much of what's been written about power over the years has to do with business. Is that relevant and and understanding that? Is that relevant to some of these broader issues? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's it's a small part of it, which perhaps is all many of us know. Um, It's, it's in in essence, the way that organizations uh, currently, um, the norm is for them to be hierarchical. Or when they're not, then they're set up to be that way. But in, in reality, those are just one of the aspects is the aspect of work life that I mentioned earlier as a, in, in addition to family and, and school where we learn power dynamics. So it does reflect the society um, and it is an important place where that gets played out, but it's not necessarily the most important um, lever for changing. I think, I mean, I think it's definitely a, an area, uh, an arena for this work. I think a, a lot of the books about power do have that focus. And do you think that the changes that we're seeing in gender dynamics and gender power dynamics is really what's driving a lot of this change today? Uh, I think that's one of the aspects. Um, I, I think there are challenges all, all around. There are challenges at the gender um, dynamic level, also race, class. Um, I think really there is an underlying challenge to the sort of extreme, extreme um, phase of domination that we're in right now, the way that things are playing out across all these levels globally. So, I mean, I remember 20 years ago or so working in the nonprofit sector and everyone talked about, you know, when there were social movements, you know, wishing for social movements, how do we bring social movements back? And now we're in a time of <laughs> so many social movements. Uh, I mean, I, I recently interviewed a, a foundation um, executive that had just given a bunch of propo- a bunch of grants for social movement infrastructure globally. This is the Novo Foundation. And I asked her, well, how many applications did you get? And I was really curious, uh, globally, how many social movements can there be? And, and these were intersectional. So they were groups of movements that wanted to come together to create some kind of structure to advance their work. And I thought, you know, at the far end of my head, I had the, the number 100. Maybe there were as many as 100. They got 1,000 applications, which blew my mind mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaks to the time that we're in of all kinds of movements, of all kinds of challenge to dominant power, which one can say is necessary given where we are in the world and in our, I mean, everywhere you look from what's happening with the earth to what's happening to people, to you know, inability to have basic things like food and a home and healthcare. I mean, we're fighting for basics here. So, you know, we're at an extreme part of this um, phase of our history, and we're seeing that with a proliferation of social movements. And not only a proliferation, that, that is built on decades of many people doing work. So there is also, and I've, known, I've seen this firsthand from working with social movement leaders here in the U.S., they are very skilled. They have been waiting for a time to be able to shift the conversation, and, and that's actually what's happening now. And finally, to what extent, you touched on this a little bit before, are really values the, the underpinning of all of this? Well, yeah, I mean, at different levels from, I mean, I think the most core is what is one's relationship to difference? Is difference, when, when we see something as different, it's when we tend to trigger a, a power dynamic. So 
for some people, they're attracted to difference. I I actually, I am one of those people. I didn't really know. I thought everyone was kind of curious about difference, but I learned that it's actually not the case. So I think even at the basic level of being curious about or being, you know, fearful of difference, that is a core value that underlies all the different values that derive from that. Um, so yeah, value does affect it a lot, and um, as do ethics, as do um, you know the virtues. All of these things are ways to be in the world, to be with other people. Cindy Suarez, her book is The Power Manual, How to Master Complex Power Dynamics. Cindy, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. Thank you.